Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there and thanks for joining us. Coming up on this episode, how you can train to be Cork's Top Gun. We also talk about the impact of inflation on our pockets and potentially our pensions. But we want to begin with a shop and a deli and a crash and a women's centre and a fabulous facility that is celebrating its 40th birthday and Cork. And it's timely that we're talking about the key co-op's birthday as we start Pride Month, as it's been at the centre of campaigns for gay rights in Cork, as well as for environmental issues and women's rights issues since the early days in the 1980s. The general manager of the key co-op is Simon Tiptaft. He's with me now to talk about the story of the key co-op. Simon, how are you? Great, great, very good, and thanks for having us on, Jonathan. It's great to be on with you. It's, um, it's lovely to looking talk Looking forward to you. having a chat. Yeah, and, and to be fair, uh, 40 years on the go, I, 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 the building itself looks incredible because I was in there recently. You've obviously done a big body of work on it. We have, we have. I mean, it's um, it's a building, as you probably know, I mean, our existing building that we moved into here in 1982 is a sort of an Edwardian uh, building that faces the river and uh, most people would know that's our building and then either side of it we've got um, what used to be the old firehouse which the old fire station that people would probably remember going back into the 50s and the 60s um, and then the other side 24 which is also part of our building so it's quite an extensive ground floor and upper floor building now which has grown over the last 40 years so um, yeah we've, we've, we've and we've been doing a fair amount so obviously the the pandemic um, hit us as much as anybody else, particularly our restaurant. And uh, but again, that was an opportunity for us to, to take stock, review, refurbish, and uh, and come back stronger. I suppose we're going to talk about the business uh, first, if we can, because the, the mainstay sure. is still the restaurant and the shop, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, our 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 mainstay really, as you said, there is our health food stores, which is the the three stores that we have, Balancholy, Carrigaline, and our, our sort of our main centre here in Sullivan's Key. Um, and that's a whole food and health food business. And then above it is our is our restaurant, which uh, which we call upstairs at the co-op. Um, which uh, both those parts of the business are, are, are celebrating 40 years. So they've been here in operation. Um, and that's supported by a, a food production unit we have in the back in Cove Street, um, which is just behind us here. Um, and then we obviously do things like online shopping um, and, and and lots of other things mm. like that. So, and it hasn't really changed that much in the sense it's it's still a co-op, a good old fashioned cooperative where people yeah. are coming together. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, it, it's changed slightly though. I so I, I suppose when it was founded in eighty one, um, there were lots of there were there were a hundred members, I suppose, and it was established as a community co-op. Um, and it was really, as you said, sort of earlier on there, it was really um, centered around lots of activity involving women's groups, gay issues, environmental, political issues. Um, and, and people came together really in this building, um, the building I'm in now, really to sort of um, um, to come together to, to campaign and, 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 and commit to sort of making some political change. And I suppose over the years, it's become more of a workers' cooperative where we have um, not as many members, but they're working people within the business. Um, and now we have um, sort of somewhere between 12 and 15 um, um, memberships. It's a workers' cooperative employing 60, 60 people mm. within the business. So it's slightly different, but it, it still has the same values of, of working as a cooperative that it did 40 years ago, you know. I spent time um, at an event. I was hosting an event this week on ESG, Environmental, Social and Governance, which is a big thing in the corporate world right now. People are, are, are getting quite animated about making sure that you invest wisely and you invest sustainably. 
and I couldn't help but thinking, uh, given that I knew a little bit about your 40th anniversary, that you guys are well ahead of the ESG curve. Then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to think we were, we, we, we started this many years ago, you know. Um, and, I, and I think for many years, Jonathan, you know, the co-op would have been seen as sort of slightly niche or specialist. Um, and some of the activities that we were doing were, were, were weren't as... Um, you know, weren't as, well, as, as, can, as can, can I be can I be politically do now yeah, generally? I, I'm going to be politically incorrect and say they might have thought you were a bit hippie that that, that you were a bit I, out there. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. We and we and in certain respects, we definitely were. Um, but I suppose you know the, the 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 business we're in, which is is really trying to make sure that health food and whole food is is, is central to what people want um vegan and vegetarian i mean they're far more um universal now than they ever have been you know the the landscape has changed dramatically that what we're doing now is 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 appealing to huge amounts of people not just people that want to maybe you know choose that lifestyle you know a hundred percent of the time but maybe just certain days of the week or decide to eat differently Mm. you know at certain times of the year so it's it's really um it's really it's like a much bigger audience that are, are tuning into what we've been doing for what we believe is, you know, 40 years, really, I suppose. Rights issues have always been at the centre of the whole process as well. We mentioned some of them at the start there, women's rights and uh, uh, gay rights, uh, all, all the rights, really. Uh, they latched on in the key co-op to these causes. It became a focal point for what would have started perhaps as minority groups, but ended up in many ways as a majority opinion. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the co-op has been fundamental, really, in, in in many major issues. You know, the abortion amendment, the criminal justice bill, um, LGB rights. You know, divorce. Um, you know, absolutely huge amounts. And they've really been an environment where people have come together to 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 you know for the, for the common good of those particular those particular campaigns. You know, and I think it's 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 really a sort of a, a, a it's really credible that you know the co-op has. Has been part of that change, not just in Cork and in Munster, but I think in Ireland in general, it's part of it's been part of the change. You know, and some of the huge things that have changed in Ireland in the last, particularly ten years, with, with um, you know, with things like well, even going further back, you know, with homosexuality, you know, it's been decriminalised, which is mad that we're sort of even saying that kind of thing, you know, um, you know, and even things like you know, there were things you know, that were completely controlled by the church, if you like. Um, over, over many years and I suppose the carp has been fundamental to some of those changes and, and provided an environment where people could come together to make those kind of changes. Well, well the, the only problem is though that uh, when things go mainstream it, it, you start seeing products that perhaps were kind of exclusive to the key co-op over the years popping up in other locations and, and, and yeah, you find yeah. them in, in supermarket shelves where they might not necessarily be prepared in your back hall but uh, they're probably the same type of product so is, is that competition a good or a bad thing do you think Simon? Well, I think it's good in a way that, um, you know, the, the market is bigger. And I think, you know, we welcome that, you know, I suppose, you know, it is a challenge for us, you know, but I think we, we would still see ourselves as, as, as specialists. You know, we have people here in all of our stores that can offer not only the products to be bought, but we should be able to, when we do offer the facility that people can get advice and, um, and everything under one roof, you know, so, um, you know, it's something that we're keen that we make sure that, and we, and we have coverage in terms of, you know, you don't have to come just into town now. We have a shop in Carrigaline and Ballincollig. Um, and we and we have all of these products available, whether it people are eating gluten-free diets or sugar-free diets or organic or vegan. Um, 
you know, the idea is that, you know, you can come to us and we can provide you both with the product and the advice that you might need, which may be something the competition don't do um, because it's not their core business. It's, it's maybe, you know, a part of their business, but for us, it's very much our core okay. business. Well, here's hoping that in 40 years' time they'll be celebrating the 80th anniversary and whatever passes for yes. the podcast uh, yes, we'll in, be, in another 40 we'll years' be. time. We'll, we'll have our feet <laughs> up somewhere, Simon, uh, hopefully. I uh, hope so. Cup I of cocoa. So. We'll I be delighted. So, yeah. uh, Simon Tiptaff, General Manager of Key Co-op. What's the website for people who want to have a look at the stuff that's there? Yeah, www.keycoop.com. Um, and we're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and everything else. But yeah, if you look at our main website, um, that's where people can access all the information. Happy birthday and, and good luck to everybody there as they enjoy Thank the celebrations. You. Thanks for joining us. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're one of the thousands in Cork flocking to the movies to see Top Gun Maverick this week, make sure you get there in time for the ads and the trailers because our next guests have prepared a very timely ad for the business. Here's a taster. Start your journey today with Atlantic Flight Training Academy. Choose a career where you are in control. Apply now. You are clear to after.ie. Captain Philip Smith and Captain Jerry Humphreys of Atlantic Flight Training School after here to tell us about the business of running a flying school and where the idea for the ad comes from. You're very welcome to Red Business, gentlemen. Thank you, Jonathan. Good morning. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you both as well. Jerry, we've met before. You fly a cow, and I, I, and I mean that uh, in, in the aircraft sense. Yes, indeed. Yes, and it's good to talk to you again, Jonathan. Tell us a little bit about how you got involved in flight training. Uh, well, Jerry here, I got involved in flying training because, um, <clears throat> well, having left a previ- in a previous life, having left a career of flying um, fast, pointy planes, um, I decided I needed to uh, make a living. I had, I had to supplement farming. So I decided since I know how to fly planes, I might see if somebody would pay me to fly airplanes, which I love doing. And uh, I thought you know, commercial flying wasn't going to work for me. Uh, probably the wrong stuff for that. And then um, I got an offer I couldn't refuse from Mr. Casey here in NAFTA. And uh, the rest is history. So you, you say you, you flew sharp pointy planes. You might, you might expand upon that. Are you maverick? No, bottom gun, that's me, I think. (laughs) (laughs) So what did you fly previously? Uh, In a previous life, I flew mostly the Harrier, which is a, uh, most people probably know as the jump jet. Very good. Okay, so you've now translated that into teaching uh, with the um, um, Atlantic Flight Training School. So what is it like trying to teach people how to fly? Well, that's nothing new because, of course, no matter what we did in the previous life, we were always learning or training or you know, honing skills. And really, in, 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 to translate that into what we do today, it's really very little different. Teaching and learning skills are you know, the same, how, how, how to impart knowledge or how to get people better at what they do. And, of course, the end result is all in the military. The end result is, is what the military do. But in the, the end result, as far as we're concerned, is is efficiency and 
and mostly safety. Mm. And uh, and you know that's that's what we do. We we try to. Um, impart skills to make sure that the public travels travel safety. Yes, well, of course. Well, I, I might describe you, um, Jerry, as, as Captain Fun. Um, Captain Philip, though, I'm going to have to describe you as Captain Safety. So all the good stuff that Jerry gets to do, do you get to come in behind and go, no, you can't do that, no, you can't do that, no, you have to learn how to fly first before you even try that? That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the killjoy here. <laughs> I'm, I'm the one that has to keep tabs on everybody as well, too. But uh, and no, it's not. It's a very, um, it's a very, um, the approach from everybody is the same. We have full collaboration and uh, everybody gets the, the, the safety aspect of it because, you know, whether or not you're um, an airline operator or whether or not you're a flight training school, you know, an airline can have the, 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 the newest jets in their fleet they can have the best route network they have the cheapest fares but if they don't have a good safety culture then it counts for nothing and the same thing applies obviously in a, in a flight training environment as well too so we adhere to all the the required safety standards we go above and beyond what's required in terms of the uh, the mandatory requirements uh where we have a very we, what we operate is what's called an sms the safety management system and it's, it's, it's a mirror image of what the airlines do. So it does two things for us. In the first place, it helps us just to maintain our, our operations as safely as possible. But it also teaches the new trainee pilots, the airline pilots of the future, uh, to recognize how the, the safety systems operate, because that's exactly what they will be working with in their future careers. Mm. So we get them on that, that wave, wavelength from the get-go. And it gives them a good appreciation. It's it's embedded in what's what's become known in aviation as just culture. We don't blame anybody for an incident or an accident or anything that's outside the norm. We find out what happened, why it happened, and what we can correct, how to correct it to prevent a future occurrence. It, the blame game is something that may have applied in this industry decades ago. It's gone now. Yeah. It can't operate. And, 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 so that, that and ends, I know that is imbued in pilots from, from the start, which is why AFTA is so important. And you, you provide throughput. I've been fascinating watching the business develop over time. You provide throughput to a lot of the major airlines now. So if people who want to start a career in aviation, they start with you, get the competencies, and then they almost Almost migrate straight into work. That's how it's worked over the last few years. That that's exactly it. I mean, we're we're on the go here since 1995. We evolved very slowly. We grew organically with two aircraft. We're at the stage now. We have a total of 22 aircraft in the fleet. We have four simulators. We have about 50 odds instructors on the instructor panel, and and multiple uh, uh, trainees. And they they come from. Um, People coming in as individuals to learn to fly or people who have been sent by their national airlines as well, too. So we're, we're very much involved in the, the state-of-the-art um, end of the business as well, too. So the pilots that you've trained, Philip, where are they flying now? Pretty much around the world. Absolutely. Everywhere and anywhere. So if we start with the, the, the local uh, job market, they'd be typically with Ryanair, uh, Aer Lingus. Um, uh, BA, uh, EasyJet, um, Flybee, and then going further afield into Turkey, Turkish Airlines, Pegasus Airlines, uh, into the Middle East with Emirates, Qatar, Etihad, uh, and the Far East Pacific, uh, Cathay Pacific as well too. And we've got several who have actually have migrated to the States and they're flying and they're, they're on their airline careers over there as well too. So by its very nature, aviation is a global business and that's exactly where our cadets end up as well too. Mm. So the opportunity is fantastic for anybody whether they want to stay local or go further afield. Uh, essentially, the, the flight training starts, if somebody's on um, an integrated program, 
they start on day one with little or no flying experience. Now, I have to just to, to, to preface this, they have to undergo an assessment with us before they can, they can sign up for the programme. But anyway, if they're successful, they can commence the full-time course. They're with us for between maybe 17, 18 months approximately. At the, uh, during the course, they go through all the flight training and the, the written exams, etc. And on completion, then they're issued with their commercial pilot's license by the Irish Aviation Authority. Thereafter, then they can then apply to the airlines. And you can see that it's a fantastic opportunity because you're coming out of training with not much more than about 200 hours of flight time in total. But yet you're soon to be qualified to start a flying career yeah, with an airline. And, and, you're straight, then... yeah, and you're straight in, but it's, it's really, really impressive. Jerry, if I can come back to you, the, the fact that we had such a long shutdown in the aviation, a bit terrible time for the sector, a terrible time, I'm presuming, too, for pilots in training. But you probably can't turn them out quickly enough right now, can you? Because there's such a demand for pilots in the US and around the world. There is a huge demand at the moment. We were actually quite busy. We were very fortunate during lockdown because um, most of the time we were able to continue training because we were a commercial organization and we had some very, very uh, stringent procedures in place during lockdown. We wore masks and we had screens in the aircraft. But uh, yeah, we were pretty busy during lockdown. But at the moment, um, you know, things are on, on at the moment, things are, are slow because everybody's a bit fearful of what what's coming, but the airlines tend to be 180 out almost to flying training. You know, when they've got so many people, we, 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 we can't react instantly. There's about an 18 month reaction time to a demand and the fact that it takes that long time for people to get through the system. So yeah, yeah. We, we we can we can certainly produce people, but as at the moment we can't produce enough for the industry because yeah, which, of the industry. I suppose it's the same problem that the Dublin Airport Authority are having. At yeah, the exactly. Let's uh, let's not mention the war. Um, Jerry, I have to say, uh, the, my last question is: Do you ever try and scare somebody in the cabin which you're going? Do you feel the need for speed? Do you ever use the old Tom Cruise line? Um, no, I don't <laughs> use that line. But we 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 sort of we we brief something beforehand whereby. One of the things we do is this upset prevention recovery training, and that's preparing people, building their resilience. And so we brief the fact that, you know, we are going to put them in a situation that they may not have experienced before in controlled conditions. So if that something happens inadvertently during a normal career, they will have seen and felt it before and hopefully will be better equipped to cope with it. Well, the scriptwriters put it a better way in the film, Jerry, but I understand the process of it from your perspective. Captains Jerry Humphreys and Philip Smith of the Atlantic Flight Training Academy in Cork. Upwards and onwards, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome, Jonathan. Nice to talk to you. See you, John. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie. Our next guest comes from an industry whose expertise we could all do with as the cost of living keeps rising. Inflation in May could have reached as high as 8.2%, which is kind of eye-watering. And we're looking at petrol prices back above €2 a litre again. Kieran McAuliffe is Director of Provest, a financial services firm based here in Cork. Hi, Kieran. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? I'm good. Uh, look, suffering like everybody else is from, from <laughs> rising prices. Uh, I mean, are more yeah. people looking to get a handle on their finances as, as we deal with inflation for the first time in decades? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess look, we ran a survey recently, and we got a very, uh, a very good response from people. And I suppose look, the, the three areas that people are predominantly looking towards from an inflation perspective is uh, housing, food costs, and energy costs. Uh, I mean, of the of the four hundred people we surveyed, uh, roughly ninety percent of them uh, responded and confirmed that they were very worried about the um, the, the the buying behaviours that they're going to have to. Uh, implement in the next 12 months based upon just this, this, this rising inflation. I'm old enough to remember the last recession when one of the first things people did which upset the likes of you was to stop putting money into a pension. Um, are you worried that might happen again? Um, yeah, I suppose, look, there's a lot of things we're worried about from a pension perspective. That's one of them. Um, I think that we have, however, seen quite a build-up in uh, disposable cash um, on deposit. Um, I think deposit rates are somewhere in the region, personal, personal deposits, that is, are, are somewhere in the region now of about 130 million, sorry, 130 billion, which is uh, obviously uh, a, a big increase from where it was four years ago. Um, so there's been a lot of build, there's been a huge build-up in terms of where, where, where in terms of deposits. Um, uh, I suppose, look, uh, there aren't many places where people can invest their capital. Pensions are one of them. Um, I suppose there are, however, changes likely to come from a pension perspective over the next few years, uh, which will potentially give rise to people not being able to um, put as much money into pensions as they are now. Uh, Auto-enrollment being, being, being the, 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 the predominant reason, Jonathan. You mentioned that survey. It also found two-thirds of respondents left it too late to start their pension. This is a big concern because none of us are getting any younger. Yeah, I mean, and I guess, look, one of the big challenges that people have these days is that, look, there's a lot of short-term costs that people need to cater for. Mortgages, uh, house prices are going up considerably. So I suppose people are predominantly more concerned about, um, um, you know, kids' educations, being able to pay off their mortgages, than they are something that's probably maybe 20, 25 years down the road. Albeit, as we've historically always seen, that if you can fund into your pension when you're younger, uh, because of the compound interest returns you're going to get from um, being invested over a longer period of time, you know, it, it does pay dividends. But look, typically we're seeing that people kind of traditionally cater for mortgages and probably childcare costs, um, more shorter term needs than, than longer term needs. Mm. As this goes on, we don't know how long this crisis is going to continue for. I mean, I read something yesterday that the Americans think inflation has peaked already. I'm delighted for them. I can't imagine that's going to happen on this side of the Atlantic anytime soon. But we're entering into choppy waters, Kieran, uh, in financial terms, and, and that must be causing anxiety for clients. It is, yes. Um, I mean, I suppose, look, asset classes have been under un, under pressure year to date. I mean, the main building blocks that are that are associated with pension funds are, are equities and bonds. Um, and if you take both of those asset classes in isolation, they're both down probably uh, high single digit, uh, you know, um, early, early double digit numbers year to date. So look, funds have taken a hit. That does obviously cause consternation, but what's the key point for anybody to to to, to keep in mind? And look, this is the the line that any good advisor should be giving to you is that look, pension funds are very much long term in nature, um, and you know that ultimately we've historically always seen that you know the with with 
different uh, crises in the past that look these things do wash themselves out over time and these funds and these asset classes will recover over a long period of time mm, uh, it's a hell of a roller coaster but we're on it for a while uh kieran mcauliffe director of provest what's the website if people want to look you up kieran provest.ie jonathan p-r-o-v-e-s-t Kieran, thank you very much indeed and thanks for joining us. That is it for another episode of Red Business. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, every episode's available right now on redfm.ie. In fact, the guys from After, by the way, were saying that if anyone's interested in going up and having a look at their facilities or want to become a pilot, then just contact them via their website or via the phone number that's on their website and they'd be happy to arrange for a tour. Kieran McDonough was the producer and we will catch you, as always on the next one. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.